You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. God, thank you so much for everything you're doing in this church. Thank you for leaders that steward everything you're doing, for volunteers, the small army of volunteers we have that just bring your kingdom, Lord. And we thank you for the leaders in this church, is in all of us, out there as teachers, doctors, nurses, retail, mums at home, dads at home, small businesses, whatever our thing that we're doing, whatever industry we're doing, Lord, I just pray for us to be continually bringing your kingship to our place, bringing your spirit with us. Father, we lift up the congregation. We know many of us um, always, there's always some people unwell. I prayed with someone this morning that had to leave We just lift up her as well as she was just, her legs were just so sore. And we just pray for healing and restoration. I should leave church this morning. We thank you for all the good stuff as well going on. And we just give it all to you, your kingship. Lift up the Strickland family now. Give it all to you in this sermon as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last few weeks we've been in 1 Corinthians. We'll continue that. Uh, all the sermons are online. You can have a listen if you want to catch up. But I'll just give you a summary of where we are. We're talking about this church that, although it's about over 2,000 years ago, it's very similar. Humans don't change, it turns out. We are all broken. We all make similar patterns, similar mistakes. And so there's this ancient church, but it sounds very much like modern-day culture. And we've been looking at some of the things that they're dealing with. And we've had this picture, this image. Because often when you do a series like this, people turn to the person next to them and go, I wonder what's going on in the church. I wonder what Steve's passively trying to address. I wonder what the board's prayed through. wonder who it is. <laughs> That's not the case. We talked about division last week and I said, as far as I know, this place is pretty peaceful. We're not aiming at anyone, but we know we're human and we know that humans sweep under. We sweep things under the rug. We love, we love to hide things, put on our Sunday best. We even have an expression for it. What does that mean, put on our Sunday best? When in the Bible has it said, put on your Sunday best? Be respectful, but bring your Sunday worse and give it to God. Because we're not here because we're Sunday best. We're here because we need God. So sure, be respectful, but bring your Sunday worse because God wants to deal with that. And that's kind of what we're talking about. So we talked about division. And we did these three things that kind of are going to be the themes. It's about Jesus, his kingship. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about the leader. It's not about the latest podcast. It's not about the latest thinker. It's not even about authors that we love or leaders that we love. It's about Jesus. So your favorite author might be John Mark Comer. That's my favorite. Another one might be David Jeremiah. Good for you. Good for me. But it's about Jesus and his kingship. That's top. And so we can debate on our favourite thinkers or those influencing us, but it's about Jesus. what we covered last week. It's about Jesus' mission, his kingdom. We looked at that. It's about Jesus' mission, his kingdom. We all have a favourite style of church. We all have a favourite way to do things. We all have a favourite colour. They don't all have to unite until it's about Jesus' kingdom. That's what's important. So if you got saved on a boat that was sinking out to sea, or if you got saved on a Sunday night service, we don't need to recreate the Sunday night service. We don't need to recreate the boat sinking. What's important is in those moments, Jesus worked. 
It's not the method, it's his mission. And so we talked about that. That's what brings us together. We're united around that he is working as we sung. And then lastly, it's not about you, which is probably the hardest one in modern day society to stomach. It's about us. Yes, you're gifted, you're loved, you're known. But it's us collectively when we come and unify under the cross and the Holy Spirit meets us. It's kingdom participation. Some churches don't even get to that, which Corinthians is one of those at this point. They're too busy fighting. They're too busy sweeping things under the covers or under the rug without even dealing with these things. So let's look at this next problem that is bubbling beneath the series, uh, the church of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5.1, you can read along, you can look up there. We've got Bibles in the back or you can switch on your phone um, and have a look, Bible up. 1 Corinthians 5.1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. That's always a scary line. Even the outside world thinks this is pretty weird. This is a weird one. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on the one who is doing this. So when you are assembled, am I with you in spirit? And the power of the Lord Jesus is present. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved. Really interesting line there. On the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of that old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the, keep the festival, not with the old bread leaven, with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual, sexually immoral people keep going 1 Corinthians 5 10 not at all meaning that people in this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters in that case you would have have to leave this world but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral greedy idolatrous slanderer a drunkard or a swindler do not even eat with such people what business it is of mine to judge those outside the church are you not to judge those inside God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked from among you. Pretty harsh words. So there is a case of incest, which you could try to claim maybe with some weird cultural thing going on, except Paul goes, no, this isn't in... It's like he knows we're reading it 2,000 years later. He's going, no, this isn't just weird for the church. This is strange. Even the pagans think this is strange. And so, yep, incest is strange even back then. Weird and... Um, he, he's annoyed of what's happening, but what he's actually more annoyed is really interesting. Of course, incest is wrong, and he's sort of saying, obviously, but it seems he's more annoyed at their lack of care about it. They're just kind of probably embarrassed by it, maybe. I don't quite know if they're celebrating it, but they're definitely ignoring it. They're just not addressing it. I guess that's a pretty hard conversation to have, and so we'll just let it be. Let that person be. You can imagine, well, are you the judge? You imagine people going, oh, just let them 
We'll let them keep doing that thing. Who, no one's stepping up. They're just ignoring it. They're, as a collective church, sweeping it under the rug. Hope it'll go away. Maybe if we just ignore it, it'll go away. Probably awkward to speak up, confront it, or deal with it. They're tolerating a little bit of sexual immorality. They're tolerating a little bit of greed, a little bit of slander, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of swindling, and a little bit of drunkenness. Paul is annoyed that they're letting this happen and they're not even addressing it. He's not surprised by the sin. He doesn't, I love his line about the rest of the world. Let them do what they want to do. They don't come under the kingship. They're not asking to be under the kingship. They're not part of the kingdom. So God will deal with them. And side note, how much do churches love worrying about what they're doing when they've never said they've signed up? (laughs) They've never taken a knee and said, we're under the king. May he reign. Not talking about yesterday's king. Not talking about Charles. Talking about Jesus. They've never done that. So they can destroy their lives as much as they want. They can do what they want. Let's worry about us for a moment. I never forget we got, and I'm not going to get into the debate today. This is not what this sermon's about. But during the vote for marriage equality, as they were calling it in the media, Christians obviously had a say about that as people that marriage was something essentially we or God invented. That was our thing. And so we obviously had a say about that. I'm not saying I was wrong to have a say. I'm not saying I was wrong to have an opinion. But we stood here and had our opinion while over 50% of our marriages failed. It was almost like, you can't have that, you'll ruin it. And they said, ruin what? Imagine if we said, we have 99% of marriages short of abuse and genuine reasons to get out of that stuff. But we worked on marriages we encouraged, we addressed stuff in the room. We strengthened each other. And this thing, this thing is sacred and holy and we've treated it as such. Again, I'm not getting into the debate this morning, but that would have, you've got to admit that would have been a different conversation. Instead, we, we pretty much, I'm not talking here, I'm talking, we, we look very similar to the rest of the world. As Haley Williams says in the band Paramore, the famous, famous poet, we need, that's a joke, we need to see, but I like she goes, you need to point that finger towards the mirror. Um, there's a bit of truth in that for us this morning. So let's consider ourselves today. Not out of guilt or shame, what are we pushing under the mat? What are we sweeping under in terms of sexuality? Yes, it talks about greed or robbery or swindling. What are we sweeping under? I've heard a psychologist say that there's three types of lives we live. We live our public lives, our secret lives, our secret lives we share with our kids and our wife or close friends. And then we have a, that, sorry, that's our private, and then we have a secret life, which no one even hears, just our own thoughts. I'm asking you this morning just to consider for this short moment your secret life. That no one else knows that we're not secretly trying to address, but God is. 
And if you're feeling prompted this morning, it's not because we're trying to get you. It's because the Holy Spirit wants to take some of this stuff that's been swept under. Have a consider. Think, what are you sweeping under? And then I want you to turn the person beside you. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) And discuss. No, no. That's not what I believe Paul is asking. And I want us to hear this bit. I want us to hear my heart in this bit because I want to clarify what I believe Paul is talking about because there's some strong language here and I want to be careful with how we think we approach this as a family. I don't believe he's calling us to publicly discuss this stuff. I don't believe he's looking for us to shame people on a Sunday morning with this stuff. I think our understanding of this verse is really important. Let me just read it one more time. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be, claims to be a brother and sister, but is sexually immoral, greedy, idolatrous, slanderer, drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Really important. Paul is claiming, Paul is talking about those that are claiming to be brothers and sisters. Really important. Paul is talking about people that have said, we're part of the family, we're in, we're committed to this firstly. That's so important. He's talking about someone who understands God, who understands his love, who has declared his kingship, but refuses to grow, refuses to change. Says, I want some of the kingship, I want the social side of church, but I don't want to grow with you guys. I don't want to be the church with you guys. Paul is not saying we are to disassociate with anyone we disagree with, like we talked last week, that our opinion maybe does stuff that we don't like, but it's just our opinion, styles, or even the way we talk, the different language we use. He's not saying that. He's not saying just because you disagree with them, you disassociate with them. It goes back to our, it's under the king, it's what the king disagrees with, not us. And number two, Paul is not saying don't associate with people who have sin. Because if we weren't allowed to associate with people who have sin, we shouldn't be meeting this morning. None of us. (laughs) So we're in trouble. Hear me, if he's saying don't eat with anyone who has sin, then we're really in trouble on the days we have morning tea. Because we eat with everyone and we have sin. He's not saying that. Or Jesus wouldn't have done half or three quarters of the things he did when he was constantly accused of eating with sinners. It was kind of his, what he did. So this is not, be careful, this is not. He's not saying don't eat with, only eat with perfect people. Plus, if you're still not sure, because he's, he's, he constantly talks about this. Listen to Galatians 6.1. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught to, in a sin, you live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is saying there's more to this addressing sin than just accusations. There's a relationship to it. Really important. There's relationship. That's why we're not going to publicly discuss discuss, sin this morning, because there's a relationship to it. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Just as in fact, so just in fact you are doing. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Therefore each one of you must put off falsehood and speak fruit, uh, truthfully to your neighbour, 
for we are all members of the one body, a neighbour, someone that is close, someone that you've built, hopefully built relationship with. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you as you reach, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Romans 5, 15, 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you are yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. A central part of our commitment to each other and this kingship is pursuing growth. It's what we do here. We're not interested in running just a Sunday morning event. We're committed to wanting to grow. If you're new to the place, that's okay, welcome, but at least know what we're about. We want to grow. We want to look more like Jesus every day. We're not going to reach perfection till that very end or to that next life, but we're committed to being a disciple, growing. You're human, you'll make mistakes, but we'll push hard, we'll continue to. And so my second question around all of this, around addressing this stuff with one another, around having people in your life that can call you out, but also not doing it publicly. It's about relationship. My second question is, do you have deep, accountable relationship within the church? So my first question was, do you, what are you sweeping under? And then I'm not going to get you to declare it out loud. I'm going to ask, do you have people in your life, in this church, or even within the Gold Coast Church, or now we have over Zoom, do you have people in your life that can pull you up on this stuff and you can pull them up on this stuff? So crucial. There's other steps to addressing it. There is church discipline. The Bible talks about that. But barely when this is in place is any of that needed because you have people trusted who love you that you can address and confess and say, hey, I'm not perfect, but I want to grow. Think about it. Do you have it? And if not, let's, let's try to find it. If not, why? That's what we're here for, right? Yes, we'll sing hymns, we'll sing praise, we'll worship, we'll celebrate, we'll hear some teaching, we'll do communion. But then during the week, we need people in our life going, I stuffed up again this week. I know. <laughs> I saw that, I saw this, I saw what you're doing, I saw the way you're talking to your spouse, I saw how you're acting with your partner, I saw how you interacted with that person. I, I've just, and we trust them and we love them and we accept it and we sharpen each other. Does that make sense? Serious question, if you don't have that, let's find you that in this church. So important to our formation. Back to the verse. Paul is, however, addressing someone who doesn't want to change. They know Jesus, they know better, but they want to live under the kingship of this world. And so, in a sense, he's saying that's poisonous, that'll destroy the mission of the church, so let them go. How powerful is that line when he says, let his flesh burn, and so at least his soul is saved? Almost to say, let that person go destroy themselves if they won't, if they want to, then hopefully that brings them back to their knees. That is talking about someone that deliberately doesn't want to grow in Christ. Then we start to talk around what they want and let them go. 
Do you have deep accountable relationship within the church? If not, why? A little ad for small tables. But I want to ask this question as we, kind of my last-ish point today, is why, why? Why? We might go one more slide back, if not why. Not just why should you join a small table, but why should you care about this stuff? This is the kind of the sex talk part. Why should we not be sexually immoral? Because we're saved, right? So you might be sitting, I'm saved. Why should we grow? Good question. It's important to ask that question. Why? Aren't we accepting more grace if we keep sinning? Why should we change? I got my ticket to heaven. I don't know about you. Check under your seat. I got my ticket. Why should I do anything now? I'm not hurting anyone with some of this stuff. Is it really that bad? Is it really that dangerous? If no one knows, if no one sees, if it's not hurting anybody, is my perception. Why should we actually act on this? Why should we address this stuff in small trusted community? Why should we pursue this stuff? It is a good and healthy question to ask. And they ask the exact same question, which I'm blessed about. Because Paul answers it, not me. He says in 1 Corinthians six twelve, he says, the why... Why should we bother addressing this stuff? I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, you say. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food and God will destroy them both. I love that argument. Hey, it's all going to get destroyed. (laughs) Why not? Who's who's it hurting? It's not going to last anyway. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Remembering at the time, the common practice at other temples was to sleep with prostitutes as part of their worship. And no doubt if he's bringing this up, this church had engaged in elements of that. Never. Do not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For it is said, the two will become flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in the spirit. Flee, run from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever is sexually sins against his own or their own body. Do you not know that the bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You thought this, you might have thought this was a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is just a building. You, we, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we take care of it. Who in you, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who you receive from God, you are not your own, you are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Paul goes on and I encourage our smaller groups to go on with this. He talks about marriage. He talks about singleness. I'm not going to address all that today because it all comes under the context of what we're talking about today, I believe, if you read through that. He's saying this sin, these sins are particularly, they're spiritual. They're deeply powerful, deeply connective and powerfully destructive. Let me explain. If you're asking why not, why bother? This is why. This stuff, sex, 
and all the other things he talks about is a gift. It's a massive driving force behind our world. It's kind of like electricity. Electricity is why we're operating this morning. But I don't want to go and put my hand on 240 volts because it's dangerous. What is incredibly powerful is incredibly dangerous as well. Swim in the ocean, I love it. The big waves, feeling the power of the waves, but I wouldn't want to play around with a storm and the ocean because I would probably drown. It's powerful. It's fantastic when I know what I'm doing, when I'm staying within why it's created. Or fire. Fire's a classy example. Fire gives us so much energy, warmth and light. But you treat it badly and it burns the whole thing down. He's saying, why bother? Because these things are a gift. They're incredibly damaging when used wrong to you and everyone else. This is a much more holistic way of viewing sexual immorality than I was taught when I was young. And what do I mean by that? When I was a prac teacher, I did a short stint as a high school prac teacher. And I went into a school. This is a story that kind of I can explain what I'm trying to say here. The prac teacher and me, um, this wasn't a Christian school, but the prac teacher said, we're going to give the year 12s the sex talk now because the schoolies was coming up. And he said this line. He goes, it was so much easier when we could lie to them. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we'd just tell them something would fall off or they'd get pregnant or they'd die. Um, and they couldn't look it up on the internet. <laughs> And it was solved. <laughs> and he goes, but now they look it up and they know we're lying. They know the truth. They can research. We can't just make these things up. And I want to be honest, as a kid, I think the church has been, not when I say church, please know I'm talking wider than just here. I think the church has been guilty of this. Rather than explaining the whole reason, this thing's dangerous and powerful and it is a gift, we just settle for um, the two things which, looking back, are really dangerous, and I'll explain why. You'll get pregnant, or you might go to hell. We didn't say that maybe explicitly, but you know that was the shame. We'd... Here's the problem with that. One of my friends got pregnant at 16. One of my friends at 17 got each other pregnant, the 16-year-old. And do you know what the problem with that is? What a beautiful gift pregnancy and babies are no question about that so imagine making a 16 year old for who knows and will never quite understand until she gets older how much she's just changed the trajectory of her life she knows that she doesn't need to be told that but she was by the church quite frequently and then you get to my age or younger than me and you know that couples try to have kids and it's one of the most painful experiences when they can't. Or we wonder why a generation grew up and ha we even have a debate around abortion because we've talked about pregnancy being such an inconvenience. It's not an inconvenience. It's one of the most greatest miracles on the planet. It's just a shame her life took that trajectory at 16. Just it was a massive load for a 16-year-old Carrie. She'll miss out on heaps. She knows that. She experienced that. She'd need to be reminded of that. 
and about 100 other young adults at that time stopped sleeping with their girlfriend and boyfriend and all pointed the finger at the one that got caught. It's not as simple as it's just bad, naughty, you'll get a smack. We need to be deeper than that. That's not discipleship. Paul says it's just dangerous. We just don't play around with this thing. It's a gift. It's fantastic. It's a driving force. But this thing can burn. This thing can destroy. We need to be more holistic in the way we talk about this. Not to our kids, but to ourselves. It's not that simple. It's not that just secret. It's not that not damaging. That look, that thought, that flirt, that website. It's not as simple as naughty, naughty. It's deep and more profound and destructive than that. Sex is not untied from the king and his intentions for it. It can be so damaging. Paul says the world can do what they want, but if you declare the king, then let's look at how he wants to treat it. By the way, the world doesn't care. When I was a teenager, they told us in school, look at porn. It's fine. Do what you want. Uh, Having said that, it was quite an effort to access it compared to the internet. Now the world's saying, no, you shouldn't do porn. It's pretty dangerous. And if us Christians had been saying that back then instead of naughty, naughty, you'll go to hell, we're saying, actually, no, this is really powerful, it's destructive stuff, they would listen to us now because it turns out, like we always are, we're right. Because <laughs> Jesus is right. I laugh at this. One more example of why you shouldn't listen to the world. They recently put a um, transsexual person on a beer called Bud Light in America, someone that had, was transgender. To be woke, to they thought it was a great idea. Now, again, not getting into that b- debate, that's not the purpose of this sermon today, but the point would be they thought, you'd think the world, America, some people there would have thought, oh, great, they're, they're being inclusive. The moment 90% of their sales were lost, they pulled the ad and they put another ad out about a, a horse that's running across the American plains. The most macho American thing you could ever watch. Watch it when you get home, the horse ad. It's just absolute rubbish. But then quickly, quickly, that didn't work. They don't care about you. They don't care about your sexual immorality. They care about the amount of money they're making. Why would you listen to them? They change their mind on sexuality every season. One person's been the same. Your king, Christ. This is extremely powerful. It's a gift, but it's also extremely damaging. Be careful with it. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to your neighbour. Don't listen to the person in your street. Don't listen to the loudest person in your friendship group. Listen to the king. The world doesn't care. It doesn't. And if it thinks it does, it's mistaken. It doesn't care. It didn't buy you, as Paul said, for a price. Or free you for a price. Your lives, your bodies, your community, this community has a purpose. This is the invitation to the privilege to divinely participate with the creator. So suddenly our thought life, our sex life, our money when it turns to greed, our vices when it turns to alcohol and other things, our world all comes under a new law, well not a law, yuck, a new filter, a new relationship with the king. It's not don't be naughty. 
Like a, choc- like a kid looking at a chocolate on a bench, you better not touch that. It's not don't touch that or be the consequences. It's let's be careful with this stuff. It's damaging. It's amazing and damaging all at once. It's powerful. It's like playing with fire. Let's be careful. More importantly than that, Paul is saying, family, let's not miss out also. You live and divinely participate with God and you do what he is asking and you treat these things with respect and live in his ways, then you don't miss out. What do I mean by that? Don't miss out what God has for your life. Don't miss out on what God has for your marriage, for your future marriage, for your future or current kids, for your relationship, for his purpose. Don't miss out on that because you've destroyed an element. Don't get distracted. Stay on course and don't miss out on the good and beautiful life he has prepared for you. Amen? Handle it with care. Amazing and dangerous. Don't touch the fire, it'll burn you. Cultivate the fire and it will give you warmth, it'll give you life, it'll give you energy. Don't miss out. I find it really interesting, I said it before, what he says about the ancestral person in the church. He says, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on this day of the Lord. Do you know what verse that reminds me of? Matthew 15, where Jesus says, it's better to gouge your eye out than risk the flames of hell. Now, there's debate on that verse. You may not know. There's debate if Jesus is talking about an eternal hell in that verse, or is he talking about Gehenna, the temporal, the outside the city gates where they burn the rubbish and all the sick live. You can debate with me. I'm happy to be wrong. I believe it's both. I believe it says some of this stuff is so powerful it has an eternal consequence. Amen. But I also believe he is saying, let me put it this way, I have sat with mostly men around this issue and I've sat with men far older than me that said, if I hadn't just started flirting with the receptionist, if someone had just gouged my eye out back then, instead of what I'm living through right now because of the choices I made, I would have taken the eye gouge. And they say, because my life now smells like Gehenna, like hot garbage, or Aussies would say it another way. Steve, they say, if I just had, I'd gladly poke one of them out right now because what I was about to do was a little bit of flirting, a little bit of this, suddenly alone, suddenly pursuing this. It felt like we were on the same page, working together, blah, 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 blah. Now my family's in shambles. My kids don't know, don't want to talk to me. I'm not shaming if this has been your experience. This is just how it's been explained to me multiple times. And now for generations, things are going to be disordered, no longer good and beautiful. I wish I just got a fork and gouged it out. That's how badly I wish I stopped there because this thing, Steve, it turns out is destructive. So I believe when Jesus says this sin, yes, he's talking eternal consequence. But as Paul says, he's also talking, let them have their destruction because they'll find their way back. There's also a physical now consequence. I believe both. So what do we do with this? Well, this morning I just want a couple of points. I've tried to get them all to start with alliteration, S. 
if you want to take some notes, if you want to take a picture. What do we do, church? This is what I encourage us to do. Surrender these things. Declare that he is the king. If you're still working it out, that's okay. Stay with us. We love you here. But once you're at the stage where you're like, he is king, then surface the secrets. Reveal what has been swept under. Let him have it. Don't bring your Sunday best. Bring your absolute under the bed, under the rug worst and let him deal with it. Because he wants to and he will and he died to do that. Surrender to the Saviour. Submit your struggles. Say, hey, I'm not in control of this. This has taken over, especially the sex stuff, the greed. This stuff takes over the alcoholism. The addiction, it talks about all this. This stuff takes over God. I can't do anything more about it. Take this, please. Surrender it to him. Strengthen relationship. Find some small community in this church because this is what church is for. That will call you out on it. Not everybody. We're not going to take a moment at the end of the service and find someone we know has a secret sin and confess it to them. Find some people in your life that you can talk to about this and they can talk to you. And never kind of apologise or feel guilty about talking to me about finding a group. That's what we love to do at this church. We try to do at this church. And then spark a revival. Strong language, but strike a restorative revival in your life where you say no to that and he wants to restore you and he wants to heal you and he wants you back on his mission. Will you stuff up again? 100% because you're human but you'll be part of the solution. Surface the secrets. Reveal what's been swept under. Surrender to the Saviour. Submit your struggles. Strengthen relationship. Commit to a small accountable group and spark a revival. See God's restorative mission start here. He already knows what's under the bed. He already knows what's been swept under the rug. Admit and let him deal with it. Let the Holy Spirit in. Obviously, new is going to be a heavy subject today. So we're going to end with a time of prayer, but I'm going to give, I'm going to call out some situations in the church, not because if you're like, that's me, it's not because I know, it's because I'm also human <laughs> and know how we do this sometimes. Let me call out these situations and I'm going to invite you, if that's you, in this final song to get some prayer. So let me call these things out and have a think about it. You don't have to come as I call them out, but in that last song, because I want to end kneeling before Jesus and giving him this stuff, because, man, if we could deal with this stuff, this is the biggest problem with Corinthians. They're missing out on the incredible mission they could be doing. They're missing out on loving people. They're missing out on building relationship. They're missing out on bringing God's restorative kingdom to their neighbours because they're too busy, distracted by these destructive habits. Let's get rid of this junk and move on to the best bit, the revival. So I want to offer prayer. I want to call out a couple of people that I think could be in the room right now. Not by name. (laughs) There's some here today that will sweep even harder under the rug after hearing this message. They'll think, no, what I do isn't that destructive. Or what I'm doing, he or she loves me. It's only a bit of fun. It's only harmless flirting. It's more or less a little bit of a stress release. 
It's not actually porn. It's not actually, it's kind of like not that. It's not, it's not real porn. You'll be telling yourself those excuses right now. I don't know if you're telling yourself excuses. Chances are the Holy Spirit does and that's why you're running excuses right now because you're fighting as much as you can to not admit that those things are a problem. They are destructive. We'd love to pray for you. Not a guilt or shameful thing. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe some of you are enjoying thinking, I I wish this person attended church today. They would have loved this message. (laughs) Maybe I'd invite you just for this moment to say, I'm glad you're in church today and maybe this message is for you. Maybe it is for someone else. And if that's the case, start building a relationship with that person. Don't go send them the podcast link. Start a relationship with that person. Love them. Build relationship. Build trust. Even admit your shortcomings. And in that, the Holy Spirit can use you and them to keep each other accountable. Amen? So if you think this morning this is for someone else, love that person. Start a relationship. Beautiful. This is a, the last two I reckon are the most heaviest. All of that's heavy, but I reckon maybe you're someone here that's already felt like they've damaged or destroyed a part of their life. And you're sitting here going, I wish I knew or thought about this 30, 40, 10, two years ago. Sure. But you're hearing it now. And we have all sinned. This is not me standing up here because I have not sinned. I have sinned too. We've all sinned. We've all damaged. We've all destroyed. None of us deserve grace. And so now there is a hard but beautiful chance to accept that grace and see God start to restore some of those relationships. Maybe never perfect because that's for heaven, but actually restore things. Restore maybe damage with kids in the process. Maybe restore damage with an ex-partner. Maybe you'll never get together with an ex-partner again. I'm not saying that. Maybe you're remarried. So, so that would be super awkward if you're back together with an ex-partner. But restore. Show love. Let God bring a revival to that situation. All have sinned. This is not a shame sermon today. We have all destroyed and been destructive. But there is revival and restoration for these things. And lastly, some of you are victims. Some of you know the full force and weight of the damaging fire that we talked about abuse or a friend or family you know has been abused in which case we'd love to pray for you i don't have much else to say about that except i'm so sorry it is such a damaging thing and we just pray that god continues to work continue to surrender it to him and he continues to heal and restore and that you would at least maybe even morph that story into something that is restorative. Not good. It's a bad thing. But through Jesus becomes something that points to him. Because, I don't know, I don't know he works miracles. He is in the business of turning ancient crosses into um, symbols of hope. Let me pray. Ben's going to come up. And if you just... Fit one of those categories today. We've got some people down the front. I'll probably ask Mez, if that's all right. 
ask Bev, can I put you on the spot? Bev will just be down here. And James and myself. And if you'd love to come down during this last song, we'd love to pray. You do not have to confess to Mez, Bev or James. You have to confess. To, no, you don't. You don't have to confess to any of us. Just come for prayer if you feel like God is asking you to do that. Let me pray. Father God, heavy, weighty, potentially hard sermon to preach, but more importantly to hear and be convicted. And so I just pray this morning that you use these words, use this passage. It is my senses I'm finishing today, Lord, that there's a real weight from this content. There is some deep damage that I didn't even know until I've started finishing this sermon in this place. Just sweep it out, Lord, so we can grow and restore as Christians. Let your Holy Spirit fall on us. Let us be honest and real and surrender it to you. Not because we're going to get a smack if we don't, but because we're missing out on what you have for us because this is getting in the way. In Jesus' name, amen.